didn't have some today. I think we're gonna do a great job. Zach Blakely onto the podcast, making the drive from Greenville, South Carolina. Zach, man, thank you for taking the time, not just to make the drive, but to, to sit down in person with me here today. Yeah, Ted, it's my honor to be here with you, brother. Yeah, absolutely. And before we jump into our conversation today and the work that you do with men, uh, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to introduce yourself in your own words uh, to the audience and they can get acquainted with you. I'm going to step out of the way, give you the microphone, give you the show and uh, let you guys get acquainted. So please. Cool. Yeah, so who I am, I am a honest, loving, compassionate, honorable, graceful, integrous man. And what I do with that is I empower men to quit porn for good, heal the shame associated with it, and also rise to the highest version of themselves. Now, I've come to this place in my life based off my own experience. So I experienced porn addiction for 16 years of my life from the time I was 14 to 30. And it was absolute hell on earth. I experienced some of the worst symptoms that come uh, from using porn this way. And through that, I was able to, let's just say, discover a map on how to get out of hell. Hmm. And once I have figured out this way of doing so through my own inner work, my own journey, as I keep peeling back layers of who, I'm, who I am not, uh, more of who I am, my soul starts coming forward and reveals itself to me. And then through that process of this deep discovery of self, I also came to the awareness that there are millions of men that are suffering from porn addiction. And even if we don't want to say the word addiction, let's say that they're using pornography in a way in which they are dissatisfied with, hmm. in which has them experience the shame and guilt of doing something that they feel is misaligned with the man that they're attempting to be in yeah. that moment, right? Yeah. So that's what's brought me here, man. And I'm excited to dive into the details of those four, uh, the 16-year the experience I have and uh, provide a mirror for anybody that's listening. And that's something I want to bring forward as well is that I'm not here to tell you that porn is a problem in your life. But as I'm sharing my experience, if you find identification with it, that, oh, man, I'm experiencing some of these things as well, I just... Uh, I'm I'm recommending that you look at it and start questioning whether or not this is truly a problem for you because there's a lot of misinformation out there about it. Yeah. And I think so many of us start with that right there. Like, it's not a problem. I got this under control. Yeah. I handle it. I'm good. And for a lot of us, we're not good. Mm -hmm. And we keep it hidden away, locked away. Like that's that's a different version of me. Yeah. Everybody can see all this, but they they don't know what happens back here. And it's just statistically a lot of men watching probably know what that experience is like but they haven't told some of the people closest to them they haven't told their friend their family their spouse they they hide it away and because it's more comfortable that way why is it so comfortable keeping this secret that is slowly eating away at us yeah so if we look at it from a higher perspective of society uh, there are societal belief systems around sex uh, specifically shaming sex and when I say sex, I want to talk about a few things here. One, uh, the idea that having sex in a specific circumstance is a sin. And this comes from a lot of Western religions, this idea of a sin. And when we use the word sin, there is a emotional body response that we experience. And that normally is guilt, as in I did a bad thing. The next experience that normally comes from that is because I did a bad thing, I am a bad person, and this is shame. So it shows up in ways of like, okay, you can have sex when you're married, but you can't have sex when you're not, right? You can masturbate. Uh, well, in some, again, in some ways, I say masturbation is a sin, right? Self-exploration of our own body is a sin. And even more so, this conditioning shows up in how parents relate to children when they are exploring their body, when they're when a man is exploring his penis, you know, some men, some some fathers are still uncomfortable with it. And they say, "Not your pee pee." Yeah, right. We're not even calling it what it's anatomically called, right? So it's very uncomfortable, and this uncomfortability is conditioned through uh, the outside world telling us what sex should be, with, while robbing us of the experience of what sex actually is. Mm. Um, but then we look at other ways, especially when it comes to porn, of how porn is interpreted and it been normalized amongst men. 
you know, when I was growing up, that was conversations that I had all the time, you know, watching porn and, oh, dude, I was watching porn and I jacked off to porn the other day. And dude, there's these scenes that I really like, or even watching it in our pop culture. I can't tell you how many movies I've watched uh, that just talk about porn like it's not a big deal. Yeah. So this outside influence starts to condition us to believe that something is okay. And this is one of the biggest things that robs uh, human beings from happiness is that we relent to what, how people tell us to be in favor of uh, our own experience, right? So it creates this disconnect where it's like, you're telling me this is who I should be, but my experience is this thing. The truth of who I am is in my experience. So I keep living in the illusion of the lie of what somebody else tells me to be. And this ultimately creates a huge void inside of ourselves and starts to create the disconnect, but the opportunity to awaken and start to become curious about who we really are. Yeah. So there's almost a battle I hear here in terms of it's, it's treated as taboo. Yeah. So we treat it as such, but it's ubiquitously accepted in the shadows and we behave as such. Right. And those are the two forces that drive us much of, you know, my experience versus what I'm told, there's almost a, a duality to how we show up and we can't pick which one. What direction do we go and how do we, I guess, <laughs> heal that gap? <laughs> <laughs> so I like to say, and this is a, I have what I call experiential truths. Mm -hmm. And what I identify as an experiential truth is that this is a truth based off of all humans all having the same experience. Right now, a lot of times, again, we don't realize we're having this experience until somebody brings this forward. But one of these truths is, is that your wholeness is experienced in duality, meaning that you have a shadow side and a light side. We have the things that we judge inside of ourselves to be wrong or bad. We also have which goes to one category of who we are. And then we have the things that we judge to be good and serving us in some, some way, which goes into another category. The problem is, is that the, con the conscious mind, once it judges it to be bad, it no longer brings its awareness or attention to it. But it doesn't mean it doesn't register into the body or what we could call the subconscious mind. And really, there's a great quote by Carl Jung, and it sums this up beautifully, which he says that until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll rule your life and you will call it fate. Mm-hmm. And this is really a victim stance when we start feeling like, you know, it's fate that I am where I am. But here's another truth that having is evidence of wanting what you have in your life. There has to be a part of you that wants it or you wouldn't have it. But it's very hard for people to understand and accept this in their lives because of how their conscious mind judges. Now, I use conscious mind in a different way. Uh, another lingo that people would use is like the ego. That would mm -hmm. be another word of use. Um, but really, it's what we're doing when we're aware of our experience and how we're judging and interpreting our experience of the process. So how we actually experience ourselves is uh, the shortcut is learning to accept all parts of ourselves. Yeah. Learning to accept. And really, let me rephrase that. It's not even a learning Acceptance isn't something you learn. It's something you experience. Acceptance is something that inside of your body, you say, I'm willing to experience all things. Now, I want to come from a place here of what I would call the soul's perspective, or let's use the divine's uh, perspective. If you think about what our conceptual belief in what God is, yeah. one is, is that it is the observer. That God is observing all human beings and really, let's just say the universe, right? Well, let's, I guess let's keep it with the earthly plane of this. And through that observation, uh, uses it to integrate experiences and seeing how his children are operating, right? Well, inside of you, you have the same quality. This is where we are the children of God, right? So we have the ability to observe our thoughts, mm -hmm. our emotions, and our actions through this process. But when we are incarcerated by our mind, that really means that we haven't awakened to the truth that we are not our mind. So many people go throughout their life uh, believing what they have been told life is and what they should be. And inside of that belief, they also believe that those thoughts are who they are, but they still experience the pain of not feeling like themselves. And the truth is, is that those thoughts that are in your head are your parents' voice, your teacher's voice, uh, religious leaders, the society that you're in. Those voices are not yours. That's mm -hmm. the conditioning. Mm -hmm. 
So once we experience enough pain, and, and a lot of times, you know, the, the great awakening for most human beings is around late 20s, 30. That's just the common time. Then we have the opportunity to start to question, right? We become curious about the things that we believe. We become curious about our experiences of our life. And then we start to look at what is true for us. Mm -hmm. And when we can measure our individual truths with experiential truths, then the solutions to the problems we're experiencing just automatically appear. But then there's another resistance point, which is the fear of being somebody other than who you think you are. But the truth of the matter is the idea of who you are is never actually who you are. Yeah. It's just the construct that we've created in our mind. So let me share a couple of experiences that mm -hmm. can kind of illuminate this in this way. Hey guys, Ted here. Hope you're enjoying the episode, but really quick, I wanted to interrupt just to get you ready for the transformative experience, The Modern Man Retreat, 36 hours to build your six-figure life. Join us January 19th to the 21st for a weekend of growth, connection, and empowerment. Delve into powerful workshops, form lasting bonds, and rewrite your story alongside top facilitators like Brandon Powell, Zach Blakeney, Kyle Langley, and myself, Ted Faton. Limited spots are available, so make sure to lock in yours right now. Visit our website or text RETREAT to 864-477-2260. Make sure to seize your future and reserve your spot today. Yeah, because, I mean, we get stuck in who we are in terms of an identity. It's a recurring yeah. topic that we have on the podcast a lot of times, right? The yeah. old us has to die for the new us new us to live um our ego feels comfortable mm -hmm. and the discomfort of a new identity it's scary because we don't know who that person is we don't know what that's going to look like so we white knuckle onto what we know even though it might not even be our own yeah. it's just we can't quantify what we stand to gain so we don't want to risk what we stand to lose so uh, please open up the curtains to your journey, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly enough, it's in the risk, it's in the unknown where we find the answers we're seeking, right? So uh, for me, myself, you know, I started watching pornography when I was 16 years old. I'm sorry, 14 years old. I get 16 years and 14 years old confused sometimes, but 14 years old. And at the time, uh, I didn't know that it was going to become a 16-year addiction. And at the time, we had just moved from AOL dial-up internet into broadband high-speed internet. So this was like the year 2000. Uh, so with the broadband internet coming into play, there was a massive flood of video content, but specifically in this way, video pornography. And as a 14-year-old boy, horny, curious, had been told that I should not watch porn, that it's a sin. I was raised Catholic, that I should not masturbate, it's a sin. And I just want to bring awareness to something inside of that. What happens when you tell a human being that they can't do something? <laughs> the first thing that happens is they become curious to why that's the case. And it actually drives them to want to know why. So there were a lot of things that drove me into starting to watch it. So I started to watch it and I had my own experiences as a kid, right? And uh, did so throughout high school. And, you know, my parents were supervising during the time. And I, if I had to guess, I was watching it one or two times a week. And my parents did what they could. But I like to say I was too smart for my own good. I can figure out how to get around these things. And, you know, it's just a determined boy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I got into my 20s and I went off to college, that's when I was free and I had my own laptop. That's when it became really bad. Uh, I was watching it like three or four times a day and I was telling my roommates that I was studying in my room, but I was really exploring all these different genres uh, that are on the internet and only grew from there, you know, of what's out there. And through that process, uh, when we start looking at this from a biological sense, uh, there is a massive amount of dopamine that is produced through not only the anticipation of watching porn, as in we start to anticipate we're going to do, but also when we pull up porn imagery and every single tab that you might be pulling up. So anybody that's listening, quick caveat, I'm not here to tell you that you are addicted to porn. I'm not here to tell you that porn is a problem for you. What I advise is to listen to my experience and if it mirrors yours in some sort of way, to start becoming curious about your own use. Mm -hmm. So a, a form of dopamine escalation is when we start to opening up multiple tabs at a time. Every tab you open is dopamine. And anybody that's ever been on a porn site as well, uh, porn does a great job of leading you down to different genres that become so far away 
from what sex is that you start to map not only your sexual attraction to imagery, but you also start to map sexual attraction to these type of scenes. Hmm. And this is what starts to influence us because we're being hypnotized in that moment. I ask people all the time, have you ever been hypnotized before? And they're like, no. I was like, yeah, you have. You ever been at eight o'clock at night, you're relaxing, you're watching Netflix, you're in a hypnotized state right there. Whatever show you're watching is going into your subconscious and becoming a part of your program. Yeah. Are you still watching? Yes, I am. Yep. So, so as I go down uh, from my own experience into these different genres, you know, again, you're on one porn scene and then it has hundreds of videos that are like kind of the same, but a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And again, then there's some dopamine to pull up something different and to pull up something different and to pull up something different. So in my porn journey, I've watched so many different genres, man. I mean, I've watched uh, BDSM, uh, orgy porn. I even got into watching gay porn. I'm a heterosexual man. The only way I know I'm a heterosexual man at this point is because I left porn behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just took me so far away from sex that by the time I was in my early 20s, I was experiencing something called porn-induced erectile dysfunction. Now, I'm in the middle of my the height of my sexual prowess, right? And I'm going, and, and I'm not a bad looking guy. Like I've been able to pull pretty beautiful women over the time, right? But I'm actually going to have sex with these women and I am experiencing so much anxiety, mm. uh, performance anxiety. And again, at the time, I didn't know that there was a connection to the porn. I just was like, I, I don't feel safe in my body while I'm actually with a woman here. Wow. Um, so, you know, I started getting Viagra and Cialis. I started to actually, you know, get medications that helped for a time, but there was something else that it was occurring that I was unconscious about. And, uh, I would be using, uh, porn imagery in my head in order to try to achieve an erection. I would also be using porn imagery in my head in order to orgasm with the woman I was with. So I was having experiences of actually not being able to perform at all because I was so nervous that my veins were restricted and also how I had rewired my whole body through the process. I imagine this could lead to disconnection for anyone with a spouse, anyone who's in a committed yeah. relationship. Yeah. You, you're, not, you're not present. You're not there. So now you're you're literally um, building a distance mm-hmm. and, and this person probably has no idea. Yeah, no, again, I was completely unconscious at the time. So when I mean by unconscious, I thought I was my mind then, right? Mm-hmm. So what's happening during that time is I'm starting to create identification of who I am based off my experiences. And I'm starting to say things like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. You know, why am I not like other men? You know, I'm having conversations with my buddies and they're talking about having sex with a girl. You know, that's a masculine mask, right? Mm-hmm. Like how many girls can you have sex with? And, you know, I'm just playing along, but I'm in my mind and in my heart, I'm like, that's not my experience. What's wrong with me? Right? Yeah. Why can I have these types of experiences as well? And, uh, you know, going back to the different genres, right? Like, again, porn, if you think about a sales funnel, Right. If you ever go through a sales funnel, it brings you to one thing and then another thing and another thing and another thing, another thing. It's the same thing porn does. It brings you to one genre and then, oh, you're going to check out that one. Cool. You just brought up this one that's a little bit different. And here's something that's a little bit different. Here's something a little bit different. So if you take away, as I've done in my own healing and just look at it from a biological sense, I was just chasing dopamine, new dopamine, new Mm -hmm. dopamine. What happens to the brain in that? Yeah. So you start to rewire again. What I talked about before, you start to rewire your sexual, natural sexual energy to imagery rather than experiencing sex through the body, which is actually how sex is meant to be experienced. Mm -hmm. And even more so, you start whatever the content of that imagery is, you also map your sexual desire to that. Now, to give some duality to what I'm talking about, it's proven that there were Nazi soldiers back in Germany that were getting off to putting Jews in a gas chamber. So as they're in a gas chamber, Nazis would jack off and be sexually aroused to this type of domination in this process. Now, it's terrible, right? But I'm just using this as a distinction to know you can map your sexual attraction to anything. Hmm. And this outside influence, especially when it comes to porn being hypnotized, right? And not knowing you're being hypnotized, hypnotized to the process then starts to influence how you see the world. So other ways it influenced me, I would stop seeing women as human beings, right? They were objects, right? I would be in the middle of the gym, right? And I'd be like, well, 
how to have sex with that girl and have sex with that girl. And then thinking about like these imageries of what I would do and like how I would want to play out some of these scenes. Hmm. Uh, men that I work with, they end up becoming kind of aggressive in the bedroom. Uh, and it's not safe for their partner because there's no conversation of having this aggression prior to. But there's also a study out that shows about nine out of 10 pornographic scenes show some sort of sexual aggression in those scenes. So again, they don't even know why they're being that way. They just want to experience this aggressive type of sex. And it creates a lot of disconnect and, and a lack of safety, right, with their partner. And when we talk about safety, that's another thing that happens is that I had no problem achieving an erection in front of watching pornography on my computer. Matter of fact, I conditioned myself so deeply that the anticipation of watching it, I could start opening up my laptop and get an erection just with the uh, anticipation of watching it. Mm -hmm. But I felt safe there. There's nothing to prove. I don't have to prove my performance. Uh, you know, it's just me and my own thoughts of who I was. But that lack of safety to actually have physical intimacy. And again, when we don't feel safe, then we feel anxiety. When we feel anxiety, our blood vessels constrict, and then we feel disconnected from, you know, our dick in the process. Yeah. And then the, then we sit there and we start ruminating and worrying about like, oh my God, how, what does this mean to me as a man? Uh, how is she going to feel about this? Maybe she thinks that I don't love her or I'm not attracted to her, which mm -hmm. absolutely was the experience with my ex-wife. You know, so there's a terrible effect of our own choices of watching porn on the people that we love the most. Yeah. And that's probably the worst thing about addiction in general is that you end up hurting the people that you love the most through that process. And then through that, you find a deep level of pain inside of yourself as well. How do you turn that ship around? If someone's listening and, and your experience sounds similar to theirs, yeah. they're going through something and maybe their marriage is on the rocks or maybe they're feeling that anxiety, that performance anxiety as yeah. well. How do you turn that around and start building the bricks or, or building the road back to who you are, who you are meant to be, where you're no longer your, your mind, but you're back into your body. Yeah. So, I mean, the first level is becoming honest, you know, and being transparent. And that's the hardest level for anybody that's experiencing this type of addiction. Uh, it's the hardest level for, again, any man that's actually watching it and, and, and just not being forthright about it. Uh, so there are what I call four walls of dishonesty. Okay. Okay. So these four walls of dishonesty work for everything. Now I'm going to use it in a sense of pornography, but when I mean everything, they are the four walls that prevent you from uh, being your authentic self. So the first wall is hiding. Mm -hmm. So what you hide, you hide because hiding is a symptom of shame. You would not hide it from somebody else if you did not judge yourself in some sort of way in which you feel shame about it. The things that we're proud of, we openly talk about. The things that we're shameful about, we hide. The hard part about this is that when we're hiding things, it's not like it doesn't exist. It actually empowers it to take more control over us. Yeah. So whatever you're hiding from other people, again, this is just a mere reflection of what you feel about yourself. The next one is denying. Now, denial, same thing. A lot of times denial shows up in this type of use, kind of what we talked about either prior to the show or during this so far, I can't remember. But uh, you deny the impact that it's having on your life, right? You write it off as not being that big of a deal. You yeah. know, I'm stressed out. I just go and rub one out and I rub one out because afterwards I feel like I can focus more. Yeah. Right. So we start creating stories, right, that are justifying it being here. We're having relationship issues, right? I don't feel connected to my partner, right? I'm not experiencing the love. I don't feel like I can be vulnerable with my partner. That's a symptom of watching pornography. But if you're watching the pornography, you say, no, that's, that's not a problem. There's, no, there's a disconnect between owning this relationship between the two. So again, whatever we deny, same thing. It doesn't mean that it disappears. It just empowers it to continue to happen in your life. Mm -hmm. Third one is lying, right? Just bold-faced lying. Now, lying comes in all different ways. I lie to myself daily. How do I do that? Because there's a little voice in my head that tells me I'm not good enough. That's a lie, right? So I, I want to bring it broad. But then when we come to the lying about uh, what we're doing and what we're watching, uh, you know, the number one lie that I told myself over the process is that this will be the last time. Mm -hmm. I must have said this will be the last time 
thousands of times. And that's right. true with drinking, drugs, yes. so many things in our lives yep. that we're like, oh, yeah, I got control of this the last time. Nah. It happens inside of a relationship with your wife or your partner. You know, your partner brings something to your awareness. You know, I don't like that you do this. It makes me feel a certain way. And then you commit to them and say, okay, I got it. This will be the last time I do it. But mm-hmm. because you don't actually bring it into your awareness and choose to be conscious about it, it's in your, it's in your program. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it happens again. And then she's like, I told you, I didn't want this to happen. Like you keep doing this thing. And then you do it again because you're not actually sitting in the responsibility of owning it. You're writing it off. It's going back to the denial. It's not that big of a deal. Oh, okay. I, I see that it's not that big of a deal. So then I keep doing it. Uh, so that was one of the biggest lies I would tell myself. This is the last time. And, and ironically, it wasn't the last time until I stopped telling myself that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last one is trying. <laughs> now, energy of try. I want to I go ahead and since we're on video, I want to talk about it for a second. Because a lot of times when I say trying is dishonest, people are like, what do you mean? I'm like, the energy of try is fail. So if I were to try and grab your hat, try and try, try harder, <laughs> try, try harder, try harder. I'm not actually getting the result, right, of picking up the hat and putting it up on my head. That would be doing. I'm yeah. actually doing it in this way. Yoda, there is no try. Exactly. So, but try is an interesting thing because it makes you feel temporarily better, but long-term you suffer. So by saying, I'm trying to get the result I want to get. You're like, okay, yeah, I can see how I'm trying to do this. But then you sit back and the result is still out of reach, right? It's still something I can't actually get. So I can't tell you how many guys I've worked with be like, I've been trying to stop this, you know, for years, for decades. I'm like, that's the problem is that you're not actually stepping into the courage, that first level. And what we're getting to inside of this, that first level is to become honest with yourself and with other people, especially the people closest with you, that this is a problem in your life. And interestingly enough, the way we've been conditioned as men to experience courage, it's the courage to, uh, it's more like going out into battle, right? That type of warrior energy. But that isn't real courage. Real courage is your ability to look at the things you fear inside of yourself and bring them forward so that you can look at them and overcome them. But if you don't bring them into your awareness, you're actually being a coward inside. And the way that I like to say this is I worked with a gentleman that uh, was overseas in Afghanistan. And he came back and he was suffering from some PTSD. And when he came back, we started working together and he realized something. He was like, bro, it was less frightening for me to run out into flying bullets at the potential of being killed than it is for me to look at myself and how I have shown up in my own life. And I like to say that's the insanity of your ego mind. Your yeah. ego mind would rather die than have to deal with or even heal from the things that you feel more shameful about. That's what's crazy about the framing because there's a difference between fear and danger. Yeah. Where in his example, he was actually in danger, but he was more fearful of the shame and what was going on in his own mind. Even though his physical body was not in danger, that was more of a a hard spot and uncomfortable spot to be and then the actual danger towards his, his well-being yeah and uh one of my favorite spiritual teachers his name's adi ashanti he says it perfectly he says human beings are the only uh beings on the planet that can sit in a room with nothing in it and think themselves into danger mm-hmm. right? there's nothing that's presently in danger but our thoughts can make it uh, feel that way and then we experience it in our body we suffer more in imagination than we do in reality yeah what was the transition like for you how did you because i, I want to first commend you brother for being transparent vulnerable and open here on this podcast and sharing your testimony with with the men that are watching and even some women that might be listening or watching and thinking their spouse is, is struggling with the same thing they could share this with them because you so openly share your experience Give that light, give that hope to someone who's in that dark tunnel, right? What was that transition for you? How did you finally get to the last time without having to say it's the last time, man? So this is actually the story of how, you know, it was brought forward. And, you know, I I like to say, I wish I could say, guys, that I did it under my own volition, Mm -hmm. but I didn't. But that's a part of why I feel so called to serve, uh, to empower uh, and doing so in ways that create safety for this to come forward. But for my own story, uh, me and my ex-wife, we were together for two years uh, and we were running a fitness business together. 
And we were, you know, the darlings of the gym that we were in. We had an online business. It was our second year. We had made about a quarter million in revenue. Like we were on the come up. Um, we were a power couple. Everybody envied our relationship, but nobody knew. And <laughs> my ex-wife knew, but she didn't really know, right, that I was hiding this addiction that I'd been hiding for the last 16 years. So as we're leaving the gym, she grabs my hand and she says, babe, we need to talk. Mm-hmm. And anybody that is in a relationship and hears those four words, right, you know that there's a conversation coming that it's going to have some weight. Well, for me, I had a borderline anxiety attack to the process, right? Because I knew what was about to come forward. And here's the other thing, guys. Human beings are the most transparent beings on the planet. You can hide nothing even if you think you can. And a good example of this is when you come home from work and then you've had a bad day and then your wife is like, hey, how you doing, babe? And you say, I'm fine. She knows you're not fine, bro. <laughs> like she know, You're lying. That's a lie, right? Yep. She knows you're not fine, Right. So ultimately they know because energy never lies, right? That's the truth of all things. And that's why I talk about experience. It's energy, it's emotions. So uh, we go out to my truck and uh, we get in and she says, let me see your phone. And I uh, reluctantly give it to her. And then she goes to my in private browsing and she clicks the Google search and, you know, five or six of my searches that uh, I would look at come down. And uh, she says, what's this? Now, I like to do a caveat here because I tell this story and sometimes, you know, I'll get comments or whatever else. They're like, in private browsing doesn't save your searches. Since 2017, I had an Android and it did. I'm just telling you what happened. So, Are you on Apple now? Yeah, I'm on Apple now. <laughs> so she says, what's this? And I say, I don't know. That's not me. And she says, babe, this is your phone. Hmm. Who else could it be? And I said, I don't know. Somebody hacked my phone. It wasn't me. Now, while I'm saying this, there's another voice inside of me. And this is the first time I really got introduced to the duality inside of me. And this voice is saying, tell her the truth. Getting louder. Tell her the truth. She asks a third time. She says, look, if you don't tell me the truth right now, I'm going to leave you. Third time, denial. It wasn't me. But then as I'm crying, I said, but I did watch that. So it was the first time I got associated with this duality. Hmm. And again, I'd like to say that I was strong enough man at the time that I would come out, but really it was, it was forced out, right? I mean, I was given an ultimatum to not lose the relationship to get to that point. And that actually is a story that I hear from a lot of the men that I've worked with as well, right? This is something that is common. Now, as I'm leaving, this is the first time that I was experiencing real suicidal thoughts. So I was thinking about how I could go to a sporting goods store, grab a gun and it all, I could drive my truck into a pole. Like there was all these different things that were going through my mind. But as that was happening, this voice spoke again and it had a question. Who's listening? Who's the one listening to these voices inside of me? And I didn't have an answer for that at the time, but it was like this first level of awakening of what that was, right? Yeah. So about four weeks later, uh, we come back to our, we're back at our place and she comes home from work and she's not having a good day, you know? And at that time I had started, I'd reached out to a coach. I was actually going to PAA meetings. Uh, so I started to work on myself. And at the time you could classify me as a anxious attachment in my communication style, mm-hmm. which is that I need to talk about it. I need to talk about it right now or I'm not okay. <laughs> and she was anxious avoidant, which is, I don't want to talk about it right now. I'll talk about it later. Leave me alone. So my anxiety, my fear kept pushing me to push and push and push all the way to the point where she had locked herself uh, in our closet. And I'm now sitting on the other side of the closet door crying, just saying, don't leave me. I'm working on it. I'm trying to change. Please don't leave me. And then all of a sudden, she swings open the door and she says, I want to die. And she starts to run for the kitchen. And presumably to grab a knife, we had no guns in the house. So, you know, that's what I was thinking. So I go and I get in front of the door frame and I'm saying to her, I'm like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. I'll go. But while this is happening, it was like every choice I had ever made in my life was playing like a movie in front of me up to that point. And it was like, I was watching myself as a character in a movie. Mm Mm-hmm. So once the energy of that dissipated, and she obviously she didn't, right? And we, I sat down, the voice spoke again. Who's watching? 
if you're the one living this life, how are you watching yourself as a character in the movie? So those two questions, who's listening and who's watching, were the motivators for me to go beyond what I was currently doing with my coach and going to meetings to really start to understand one, uh, first, scientifically, what happened to me? Yeah. How, how am I this way? Like, what what's going on inside of my mind, my body? Uh, and I found so much stuff, which was very healing. I started learning about the biochemical addiction. And just to talk about this, the biochemical addiction really is the addiction. So what I know now is true is that I am not an addict and I don't have an addictive personality. And this is a little bit different from the 12 steps. Yeah, this is interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I never heard this before. Because the I am is an identification to who I am. But my I am, the one who asked who's listening and who's watching, is not my body. So that could never be addicted to anything. Hmm. And also with the 12 steps, the next thing they say is that I am powerless against my addiction. That also is not true. That is a victim state of mind. That bypasses the responsibility of my choice to start watching it. Hmm. Even if I was unaware of the choice and the consequences that would come from that, I ultimately was led to pornography by choosing pornography. Hmm. So that's a little caveat. But ultimately inside of that, I realized that it's not my I am, my, my without my name, without my body, this experience of myself, but my body separated is addicted to cortisol, dopamine, oxytocin. Yeah, yeah. And the hard part about pornography addiction, it comes in a cycle. So what I mean by this is that you start experiencing stress in the present moment. A lot of times this comes to uh, facing a challenge. And then we retreat away from that because that challenge creates cortisol. Mm -hmm. So then the escapism for anybody that's using porn as an escape route is anticipation. Dopamine, 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 dopamine. I feel good. Oxytocin is a binding chemical. Mm -hmm. So where most drugs and alcohol do not elicit oxytocin, pornography does. So then it creates a binding to pornography that is unlike any other addiction. Now, once you're done with it, <laughs> guilt, I did a bad thing, yep. shame, I am a bad man. That's cortisol. You bring that cortisol back into your present moment, compounding the stress, and now you're on this wave of cortisol Escape, dopamine, 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 oxytocin, cortisol, 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 escape, and now you're in this wave. And it becomes the thing you retreat to. So for men that are really trying to push themselves to the next level of who they are, or in my terms, the highest version of yourself, you can't get there until you start to confront the things that are preventing you from being that. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of that that loop of uh, I'm emotional because I eat I eat because I'm emotional and they just keep going in that yeah. circle over and over again and you find yourself in this rabbit hole and and you mentioned the, the view of self and that identity yeah. and with the the guilt leading to the shame the the hardest thing with that because you work with a lot of high performing men mm -hmm. and these are men who in their everyday lives others would look and revere them as, as top notch yeah. but how we view ourselves is so much more of a weight that we carry than how others view us at times. Yeah. And that internal thermostat, if you would, because you mentioned the highest level of self, you mentioned going to that next level. We might not be aware that we are setting our thermostats on 75, even if that is the, the multimillionaire business owner or whatnot, that's still you operating at 75 and you're keeping yourself from getting to that 80, 85 and really getting to 90 because you're stuck in this identity or this self view of that shame that that is less than. Yeah. Yeah. And again, porn is one of the only, from what I can tell so far, and again, it's, it's one of the only, it's not the only, uh, actions we can take from mm -hmm. a innocent space as I did that then can create the anchors of shame and guilt. Yeah. Because when I first watched porn, I didn't do it under the preface that I was stressed out. I did it under the preface that I had desire, a sexual desire to do so. Now, as I did it over time and how I interpreted and felt about it, then started to create the emotional response of shame and guilt to it. Yep. 
So but, it's a very, it's kind of backwards in a sense of the, well, it's, it's kind of and kind of not, but the experience of it, then my interpretation of the experience of it creates whether it's a problem for me or not. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of guys that watch pornography that it does not seem to intertwine with their business or their relationship. And the number one factor in that is that they are open and transparent about it with their partner. Yeah. Some of them watch it to get better ideas in the bedroom, right? So nothing is inherently good or evil. It's all about your individual interpretation of how you feel about yourself based off the thing that you're doing. 100% where the the, the change of habits are too light to feel until they're too strong to break. And a lot of us stumble into this and into this uh, this shame that we keep in the dark, but that transparency, you can't heal what you don't reveal, right? Yeah. So that transparency is really where the the change in the process begins. Coming up on the last few minutes of the podcast, what would you say to, to anyone watching? What words of advice would you give them about that healing journey, that process, and, and how you help other men and how you were able to turn around wholeheartedly and move forward? Yeah, so let's say just in this scenario that who you are without the name, without the identity is just loving awareness, that that's who we all are as our soul. Mm. Now, if you take loving awareness of who you are, and then you try to be what you already are, you're going to feel like a failure. So the more you try and be love, even though you already are love, the more you feel like you're not good enough to experience love. It's the trick of the ego mind. So really, if you're already loving awareness, you have to start looking at the things that are anchors that are holding you back from experiencing yourself as loving awareness. And this is shadow work, right? So if I'm love, if you imagine, oh, I forget, I have cameras. If you imagine something as a circle and that's loving awareness, you have shame, things that you have judged with your conscious mind to be bad. So shame, guilt, fear, anger. Yeah. And these are holding you back from experiencing your highest self, right? So a lot of times, especially what the conscious mind wants to do, and unfortunately, a lot of personal development is centered around positive affirmations and focusing only on the good. But there's the quote from Carl Jung that says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll rule your life and you will call it fate. So they get into this manifestation. I'm only going to put out the things that I want and they don't get what they want. Mm -hmm. And they say, oh, this doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work because you actually vibrationally attract from your subconscious. You vibrationally attract from the program running in the background. So until you until you have the courage to stop looking out at what you want and start looking in at what you don't want so that you can alchemize what you now feel shameful about into loving yourself for it. And again, this is the overview. You're still going to experience these unwanted patterns because that's where it's showing up from. Yeah. So... The men that I've worked with, whether it's a CEO who has a $20 million business, whether it's entrepreneurs that are in the six figure that are going to the seven, I'm not a business coach, but when I work with the guys that I work with routinely, will double and triple their revenue through the process. Mm-hmm. Because inside of these beliefs, inside of the shame that you're hiding from are intertwined beliefs that you've created meaning to it, as in. If I'm a bad man, I might have created a belief that I'm also unworthy of money. And then through that process, it's all happening from the shame that I've created around porn. I'm undeserving of success. I'm undeserving of a good relationship. And these things are entangled inside of it. So the number one fear or effect of porn is a fear of abandonment and rejection. Yep. And we talked about this before we came on the show, that I still experience the fear of rejection. You cannot, no, I don't want to say you cannot, because I'll be open to possibility. Show me a man who is fearless, and I will change my belief about this. But fear is always going to be present, because it is the divine dichotomy. I would not know what love is unless I knew what fear was. I would not know what worthiness is unless I knew what unworthiness is. Mm -hmm. So you cannot be fearless, but you can be courageous, right? So for me, a part of my experience, a part of my shadow is it's afraid of rejection. Now, if I wanted to succumb to that fear of rejection, I would not have reached out to you to be on this podcast. But I know myself, I know my shadow. So when I start doing emails and reaching out, I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'm like, what is that? Oh, that's my fear of rejection. Okay, what do I do from here? I choose to be courageous. 
Now, that is an experiential truth that I talked about before, and that's using these two tools, two tools of freedom. One, I observe. Let me observe what I'm experiencing. I'm experiencing fear. Okay, since I'm not my mind and I'm not the fear, what do I choose to experience even though this is what I'm right now experiencing? I choose to experience courage. Okay, if I was coming from courage, what would I do? I'd write this email. Go write this email. I'm going to send it out. And then through that process, here we are, mm -hmm. right? So by me overcoming my fear of rejection, I get to be in an accepted space with you and I get to provide value to the men that are here. So the trick of this and the trick of life is that whenever you call in what you want, you're going to be met with the thing that's in your way to get what you want. This is divine dichotomy. This is the duality. This is how your wholeness is experienced in duality. If I felt uncomfortable and didn't want to acknowledge that I was afraid, I would not reach out. Yeah. But I wouldn't know why because I'm unconscious about it. Yeah. But from the most powerful stance, I say, I'm willing to accept that I'm shameful, guilty, fearful. I'm also willing to accept that I'm loving, joyful, and courageous. And from here, with this uh, plethora of experiences in front of me, what do I choose to polarize to? I choose to polarize to courage. I'm here with you. Man, that's fantastic. Because a lot of us will stay in that comfort zone. Yeah. We don't want to face our fear. We don't want to get uncomfortable. And we always say everything you want in life is on the other side of discomfort. Yeah. So if you don't face that fear of rejection, you don't get the joy of acceptance. Yeah. But you also have to put yourself out there for the possibility of rejection in the first place. And that's what leads us to, to where we are today. Yeah. Uh, Zach, I, I want to make sure that the audience has a way to, to learn more from you. I could tell that this is just the tip of the iceberg of the, the work that you've done, the internal work, the knowledge that you've acquired. Um, how can folks reach out, follow, and, and get more of your work? Yeah, absolutely, brother. So uh, you can find me on Instagram, actually all social media platforms, at Zach Blakeney. Nobody has my name. Uh, if you are listening to this show and you send me a DM, you know, send me a DM, modern man, you know, that'll let me know that you're coming from this podcast. Yeah. And then through that process, you can ask me whatever questions you want to ask me. I'm a completely open book. I don't hold anything back. I'm here to serve you in that way. Uh, also, you can check out the website. So it's www.iambornfree backslash get free today. So my company is called Born Free. Uh, the reason behind that is because I wasn't born an addict. So how can I be one? <laughs> right? So this is a process of remembering your true self without the social conditioning. And I'm telling you, when you choose to have the courage to go within and truly, truly experience yourself of who you are and experiencing yourself as love, that's how your external world starts to align to that part of you. And then magic starts happening in your life. Things that you would call miracles mm -hmm. are an everyday occurrence when you do the inner work. That, that's fantastic. I'm going to have the, the, the socials in the show notes cool. and that link in the show notes so folks can go ahead and just open that up and get right to, the, to that uh, destination. Last question is usually the heaviest, and I imagine it's something we've already maybe discussed. Um, what is something that you've seen or something that's happened to you that shapes the way you view the world as a man? Yeah, I would. Let me think about that for a second. Sure. You know, <laughs> When I think about my own journey as an entrepreneur, just recently, uh, as of last year, I was partnered with a gentleman and I felt like what we were doing in that space. So prior to me moving into this, you know, we were specifically helping businesses and entrepreneurs. We have a three-day training that's incredible. It's in-person training. We were doing the coaching, very similar to what we're doing here. And I was dead certain that that was going to be what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. And I was actually at an entrepreneur event speaking in March and I spoke in front of about a hundred entrepreneurs and the first two speakers spoke about what I was going to speak about uh, together in different ways. Mm -hmm. And when I sat there, I said, well, of course I can bring my own flavor to these topics, but I really want to be able to give something valuable to them. And I just dropped in my heart and I said, what do you want to talk about? And what I talked about, what, what, what came forward was share the experiences that have defined your life, which are the same two experiences that I've shared on this podcast. I shared on stage and as I was sharing it, it was like my heart opened up and I became reconnected to the suffering that I was experiencing when I was in the addiction. 
And I realized I had a story in my mind and the story had been there for a long time that I didn't want to serve many men in this way because I didn't want to be known as the porn guy. Mm -hmm. How selfish of me. And I called myself out on stage. How selfish of me because I realized the millions of men that were there. So if I want to give you guys anything from this is that your purpose, your meaning for being here is based off your experience of your life. You are an expert of your experience. And when you stick with your experience and you only speak to that, you will not experience imposter syndrome because it is the truth of who you are. And if you're willing to be open and vulnerable and share your experiences, another experiential truth comes forward, which is what is most personal is most universal. Mm -hmm. And anybody that's struggling with porn, it's a very lonely process. You think you're alone. And that's where I started to realize inside of myself that if I'm here to be who I say I'm going to be, then I need to share my experiences and bring my gifts and wisdom to a massive section of this world with it, with that men are experiencing and bring it there. Yeah. And once that happened, man, I have experienced so much expansion in my life. I'm here in front of you today and I'm just so incredibly excited about what's next. Yeah. Zach, thank you so much, brother. Not just, not just for who you are, but, but who you're helping and everything that you're doing. And I can't wait for folks to, to see this. I'm going to recap some of the things that you said along the way, because I know a lot of folks are either working out there on the bicycle while listening to this podcast. And I first want to thank everybody watching for sticking through this, uh, what could be an uncomfortable topic for many, right? Uh, and, and sitting in this space with us and going through the journey and going through that experience of healing, understanding the difference between guilt versus shame, guilt being I did a bad thing, shame meaning I am a bad person, which can be a lie until we ask ourselves a question and we have this identity loop and we break that loop by questioning ourselves. Who is watching and who is the truth of who I am? Understanding that duality in who we are. And I loved what you said this, having is the evidence of wanting, right? Having being the evidence of wanting, what is it that you have in your life? And what is that the evidence of in terms of your subconscious mind and what you're pulling towards your actual reality? Observe and then experience. Did I get that correct? You observe and then experience. Choose. choose. Observe, choose, and experience. Yeah. Observe, choose, and experience. And when you observe, you're observing where you are, what your fear is, and why you might be going in a certain direction, and then choosing which direction to go. And which side of that duality do you want to lean towards? And by leaning towards that, you are choosing the experience that you focus on. And understanding the dopamine, the chemicals that are going on in your mind when you have a habit that you might not be proud of and you're hiding it, but you can't heal what you can't reveal. So share that with somebody. And of course, understand that you feel safe in one arena, but that anxiety is what's going to deteriorate your personal relationships, the relationships with those closest to you, your friends, your family, your spouse, which is why it's so important for you to do this work. Thank you again, Zach Blakeney taking the drive up here to be with us here in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, out of Greenville, uh, South Carolina, living in Austin, Texas. So we appreciate you for uh, making the effort to be here. We appreciate you for rocking with us the whole entire time. You know what I'm going to ask? Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and share this with somebody who really can get value from it because this could help so many folks, this conversation, this transparency, and this testimony. And one last request is leave us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. That's the only way we improve, and we'll catch you again next time. As we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's go.